Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. We've been in part, uh, we've been in a series entitled Misconceptions, which is simply just a, a belief that's based on faulty thinking. So it's, we, we have an idea of something, but we're, we're misconceived about the reality of it. And I think we live in a world today full of misconceptions. Uh, but today, as we dive into part three, I want to speak to you from the subject of energy efficient. Energy efficient. You guys are like, what? It'll make sense in a moment. Uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for what you're doing in the house this morning. God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. As, Lord, today I don't so much preach, but teach your word. I pray that you'd give me a grace um, and that my uh, words would be from your heart, God, and would accomplish everything that you set out to do. Lord, I pray that this message would sink in, that we'd at least be able to grab a good nugget of it, that it would cause us to, to examine our lives, and Lord, that you would change us from the inside out. Religion tries to change us from the outside in, but relationship with you, Lord, you change us organically from the inside out. Um, you change the very desires of our hearts. So Lord, do that in a real way today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, Jackie and I, we normally celebrate like our Mother's Day and our Father's Day a couple of days before the actual day. So we want to create space uh, for our moms and for our dads to spend some time on the actual day. And so this year uh, we did it on Friday, and I was so excited because the fair opened up. Anybody been to the fair yet? The f awesome. <laughs> well, you guys should go. You guys should go and spend a bunch of money and be hot all day. It's great. But one of the things that I love now is my kids are getting older. They have these different exhibits where you can go, and there's some challenging games. Uh, for example, games like how do you take all six of these wooden blocks and fit them into a box without them sticking over the top, like puzzles and things like that. And uh, we were over in this particular area, and, and Abby and I, my middle child, we, we wandered over to this Alameda County Energy Efficiency Exhibit. You know, sometimes you step into a place and you just kind of get sucked into the presentation. It's like, hey, you two, why don't you come over here? And we're like, all right. Abby looks at me like, should we do it, Dad? I'm like, let's go. <laughs> and as I sat there, God started to, to blow my mind. I, I knew that it was a divine appointment with the energy efficient exhibit of Alameda County. And, and I sat there, and you ever been schooled by a person younger than you? And you're just kind of blown away? just like, man, what in the world is going on? And so, uh, so all of us kind of made our way over to uh, this energy exhibit. And there was this young man. Let me show you a picture of him. He started to take me to school about windmills. Now, I don't know if you know much about windmills. I just thought, hey, you like they spin, produce energy, all the good stuff. But it, windmills are so much more fascinating than that. And so we, we were at this little wind tunnel where there was four fans. And they were all blowing wind that propelled this windmill that created energy, and it would display how much energy was being created on a computer screen so you could actually see. So the guy asked me a question, which was kind of one of those questions that I know that my answer is probably going to be wrong. But just to go along with it, I'm going to say yes. Anybody ever experienced that? So he said, hey, do you think if I added another blade to the windmill, or if I, I took a four-bladed windmill instead of a three-bladed windmill, that it would produce more energy? And so I said... Sure, right? Seems to make sense. Let's add another blade, get a little bit more motion. So he puts it on, and sure enough, you know, I'm that guy, less energy. And he said, you know, it's so interesting that everybody thinks when it comes to windmills, the majority, 
think that if I can add another blade and make it spin a little bit faster, that it would produce more energy. But he said, it's so not about speed. He said, it's, it's so much not about spinning. He said, the reality with windmills is it's, it's less about spinning and it's more about shaping. And I said, you got my attention. Keep going. He said, he went on to say, the way that the windmill is shaped determines how the wind is going to flow through it. And see, on a, on a windmill, you don't gain power by how fast it spins, but rather by how much torque and force is going into it. And so we said a lot of people think you could just take, you know, kind of a, a flat blade, like maybe four flat blades, and just this thing will spin like crazy. And he said it will. If you just took four flat blades and put them up there, that windmill will spin like crazy, but it won't produce much energy. He said, because it's flat, it's, it's, it's lacking in shape, it's lacking in aerodynamic. He said, but it'll spin faster than all of them. And it'll spin so fast, but he said, it's not sustainable. And as the wind is blowing through, it's going to shake like this. And then he said, after a while, the blades will break and just start flying off. And then it doesn't just become a hazard maintenance-wise, but it becomes dangerous to people. And so I said, okay, like you, you have my attention. He said, but what if I put a four-bladed windmill at the same shape as the three-bladed one? Would it produce more energy? So I thought, I think the answer is yes. Right? So he, he put it on, and sure enough, it produced more energy. But this is what he said, and this was like the crux of it. He said, if you notice in the Altamont, you very rarely see any four-bladed windmills. And he said, because even though the shape may be right and you have that extra blade and it will produce more energy, the energy that it produces is still not enough to justify the maintenance on that one blade. So he said the three-bladed windmill shaped with the, the, the perfect aerodynamics, he said, is the perfect balance between energy and maintenance. And I was like, I'm using this on Sunday. This is incredible. And I got permission from him. I said, can I use you in my message? He said, yeah, absolutely. And it got me thinking about Ecclesiastes. And look, look what it says in the scripture. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls in toil chasing after the wind. And I was like, what? Like there, there's a new movie uh, called like, like the, the, the Boy That Harnessed the Wind. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is incredible. Like, like, and I knew where I was going this week. And, and where I was going this week completely matched up with this whole idea of windmill and power. And it was like, yes, Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks at the fair. It was worth the entry fee. And we, it was Friday, so it was free. Um, <laughs> but but I, I want you to, to, to kind of get this picture. Because I wonder... Um, I wonder how we think about getting more results in life. I, I think in our culture today, we think if I could just get a little bit more, if I could just spin a little bit faster, I'm going to get the results that I want. So I'm going to get better results. But in reality, many of us have tried that. Let me just add a little bit more. Let me just spin a little bit faster. Just a little bit more time. Just, you know, they asked Rockefeller, they said, man, you're filthy rich. Like, when is enough? His reply was, just a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. 
And a lot of us, in our attempt to get a little bit more, what ends up happening is we start to spin really fast and it looks really great for a season. Like our culture admires spinning fast. If you're just, just hard, I'm just a hard worker. I'm just. But, but what ends up happening many times in our attempts, rather than having one handful of tranquility, we take two handfuls and we're toiling and we're resting, chasing after something that many times we never find. It's like chasing after the wind. And so, so when, what ends up happening is our lives start to, to break down a little bit. They become a little bit more unstable. The faster we spin, we start to shake a little bit. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's challenging. And, and next thing you know, a blade starts breaking off. Right? We start hurting people because we're running so fast and we're just trying to get a little bit more. And there's no sustainable pace. We think we're producing an energy, but we're more exhausted. And we're just like, ah! And so I, I wonder if we just slow down for a minute. And we focus more, or we focus less on spinning and more on God shaping us into the people that he's called us to be, that we might be able to harness the wind of our day a little bit better. That we might find ourselves when the wind of corruption, when the wind of a, a, a ton of misconceptions, the Bible speaks of them as winds of doctrine, doctrine of demons, Things that we, you know, ideas and concepts that we have but are so far from the truth. Winds that want to just keep us busy and frazzled. Winds of comparison. Winds of of, uh, acceptance. Winds of, I just wonder if we would slow down and stop focusing so much on how fast we can spin. And rather lean into how God wants to shape us that we would live lives that may not look like spinning too fast but producing a ton of energy. Producing tangible results, real results that are sustainable and that can go for the long haul. This beautiful picture of production and maintenance, this this healthy life that God has called us to live. But it doesn't come by us just trying to spin faster. It comes by allowing God to shape us. The challenge of this is that, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that we're stressed. This is a perfect message for Father's Day. Like we're just, we're stressed. We live in a culture that's stressed. And I was going to give you a bunch of stats, but then I figured it would just stress you out. But I think there is a stat that we need to, to lean into that, that's kind of startling, is that the majority of people today that are stressed, the highest ratings of stress is found in children 8 to 14. Because what experts are finding out is that stress is contagious. So that the more that we as parents are stressed, the more the kids start to embrace that. And it's a scary feeling. I mean, man, 8 to 14. And I think a lot of times we're stressed. Why? Well, because we're so stretched. We don't have a lot of margin in our life today. We don't have a lot of guardrails. Some of it's intentional, like we've made our choices, but some of it's unintentional because of the demands that are, are, are put on us uh, with our jobs and, and as parents and as leaders and just as trying to, to, to survive in the Bay Area, it's, it, it can be really challenging. And we're stretched, I think, by the demand. There's, there's a lot of demand today. Like some of our, our jobs, it's just, oh, my goodness, it's just, it's tough. 
right? I mean, the average person now was working anywhere from, from 47 to 65, 70 hours a week. That's kind of normal, so it just keeps on climbing. A little bit more, a little bit more. If we could just work a little bit more, a little bit more. Now, we live in the beautiful Bay Area. Now, I know the Bay Area gets a bad rap for a lot of things, but come on, we live in like the most beautiful place on the planet. One of them at least, right? And I believe God is redeeming this Bay Area, so we're just fully embracing it. However, it's expensive. As much as I love it, that beauty comes with the price tag, which creates a lot of demand. And so we find ourselves super busy just trying to keep up, trying to, you know, make all of this stuff happen. And the sad part and the scary part is, is for many of us, it's just normal now. Like busy and being stretched has just become a part of our identity. And I think what's most disheartening is that, that today people used to find significance when they were asked, they would say things like, I find my significance in God and relationships in my family and my children. But now they're saying, I find my greatest significance in work. That's the number one reason. Something that, that, that could be extremely beautiful and, and, and could be worship unto the Lord has now become worship and is an idol for many of us. Sometimes it's by choice, sometimes it's not by choice. But I believe God wants to reshape how we're thinking in the day and in the times that we're living. Because as a result of being so stretched, what ends up happening is we're exhausted. Like, come on. Some of you guys are, look like you want to go to sleep right now and you're at second service and you're tired. <laughs> right? I mean, some people do not come to church today because they're tired. And, and there's, there's so many things that we're trying to work through, right? Work, family, sports, and just the, the crazy things of life. Netflix. Like, some of you guys are stressed out because Netflix. Like, in between the episodes, you're like, I got one minute. Should I watch another one? I'm not sure if I should watch another one. Should I go? Should I let it go? Should I, should I go? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I got to get a lot of stuff done. It's already started. That's stressful. Like, they know exactly what they're doing. And, and so, so I think, you know, you, we, we have travel. Vacations are even just stressful sometimes. We've got a full agenda. We don't want to miss out. We barely take any vacation time, so we got to just like jam everything in. But then I think some of us, we're exhausted because we've been going through a lot of trials and just been tired. You know, trials will drain you over a period of time when you're doing your best just to stand up and you just feel like everything's shaking and you're spinning, but it just feels like in any moment a blade could just, nothing seems to be working and, and you're just exhausted. And I, I just want to be sensitive today because I know that, man, it's, it's, it's easy to preach sometimes, but it's hard when you're in a, a difficult spot like that and you're trying to figure out and it just doesn't feel like anything's working. But we're exhausted. <laughs> we're tired in so many different ways. So much so... You're going to find great joy in this. Let me show you. We're so, so tired, we don't even want to text anymore. Like, like, come on, lean into this, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to have some fun in second service, right? Like, come on, you are grateful for the thumb and the heart. Because it means you don't even need to reply, you just give them a heart. It just lets them know, I love it. Because I don't want to sit there and try to write the perfect text. Exhausting. Right? Or, hey, how you doing today? Uh, I don't have the words, or ah, or this one is just, this is my favorite one, like, I don't know what's going on in my life. 
I'm just trying to figure this out. And so, so how do we survive, ladies and gentlemen? Like, how do we get through this? I'm going to show you how we get through this. So one particular answer, coffee. Come on, you guys, you guys celebrated coffee more than Jesus today. I said, come on, can we give Jesus a hand? <laughs> but this is how crazy coffee is. And I, can I just be transparent with you? I, I've wrestled with anxiety my whole life. And coffee makes me anxious. If you see me tweaking on a Sunday morning, it's because it was a bad batch, right? It, like, went to the wrong, like, parts of my brain. But as much as it makes me anxious, sometimes socially awkward and a little bit frustrated, I love coffee. But, but it's kind of sad in, in all reality. It's kind of sad because I, I, I can say that it's because of the taste and the notes. But in reality, it's the buzz, right? It's like, because you, you, know, you know that feeling in the morning when it's not working. You're like, man, what's wrong with this coffee? Where is the, where's that kick? Oh, I hit a nurse. He's just kind of quiet on that part because I said buzz, right? Um, but but I, I, I think it, it's crazy. So many of us were just running on caffeine. We're just, we're just, man, just a little bit more. Man, I got so much to do. I'm exhausted. Give me a Red Bull. Give me five cups of coffee today. Right, if I'm crashed to three, who cares? Give me another cup. And we're just running and running. And for those of you guys who are super spiritual, don't drink coffee, bless your heart. It's amazing. I'm going to get there one day. But, but it's not healthy. A lot of us, if we're honest, maybe not every area, but there are some areas of our life that we're just, we're, we're trying to add an extra blade and we're trying to spin a little bit faster. And it's still not working, but we just keep spinning. And, and this is one of the things that, 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 that scare me. It's, it's we're exhausted. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. We're exhausted. Why? It's because we don't know how to rest. Like we don't know how. And I'm preaching to myself, ladies and gentlemen. Like I love my kids. I love my family. I love my job. Like I will like grind 24-7. And I have to learn to rest. This is where I know I'm getting unhealthy. You ready for this? So the other day. Can I just be vulnerable? Is this okay? It's like free counseling for me. So, so the other day I, I was it, it was, it was a day, everything was actually like in order. Like all my appointments were on. I texted everybody, responded, like everything. And, but it was one of those days like surely something's wrong. Like, like I just felt restless. I just had a hard time relaxing and knowing that, man, it's good. It's good. Like the day is, it's okay. And it's in those moments I know like, all right, I'm tipping over the edge a little bit. I need to adjust. I need to adjust my rhythms. I'm spinning and I'm focusing on that rather than letting God shape and, and finding a place to rest. We just don't know how to rest. And so what ends up happening is we, we start to get shaped by busy. And, and this is the most devastating part of this is even us in Christ can fail to experience this rest. Even though we have access to it. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Like we have access through Christ, but there is still a chance that you and I might not experience it. And I think a lot of times it's because of how we think about rest today. It's a little bit different. Like we have a misconception of rest. Take notes, I want you to jot this down. A lot of times we think that rest is all about stopping, but in Christ it's more about shaping. 
Like, like in other words, rest isn't just about getting some sleep. Like rest is about replenishing your soul. So, so rest isn't just like stopping from your work. Stopping from something. Rest is not just simply going on a vacation. It's not just taking some time off. I think what's happened is a lot of these things that were supposed to be supplements, we've turned into antidotes. And so we wonder why we come back from vacation and we're still fried. We're still just, oh man, what in the world is going on? Because even on vacation, even when we have time off, sociologists have, have, have declared that we are in somewhat of a crisis with social media as a result of FOMO. But you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. And so you know how it is. You, you, you get home, you got some time off, and you get on Facebook. And you get on Instagram. And your friends are at a party that you weren't invited to. And you look and you just got to see, oh, they're in Disneyland. Oh, they're just, I got to see. I, I got to see. And then you're just clicking and scrolling and scrolling. Then, then you get up and you're like that emoji. Like, what in the world just happened to me? Like, we, we, just, we just don't get it sometimes. Because rest isn't simply getting away from something. It's getting away with someone. Let me say that one more time. Rest isn't about getting away from something. It's about getting away with someone. Matthew chapter 11, look what Jesus said. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come on, somebody. He said, come to me. I love this. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. When was the last time you had a real rest? Well, what does that look like? Well, Jesus said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this part. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, meaning... Everything that I've called you to, how I've designed you, like I know how you're designed, therefore I know how to shape. I know what type of load you can bear and what you can't bear. I know what makes you thrive and what drains the life out of you. Like God knows us. And he says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. So the tough part is this, is this, this stuff preaches really good. And a lot of us, we look and we're like, yes, yes. Then we look at our calendar, we're like, no, no. And we just accepted that. That's the hard part today, guys. It's just, it's just become a part of who we are now. And so Jesus is saying, get away with me. Let me refresh your soul. And we're like, man, yes, but no, I, I can't. So I'm hoping today on Father's Day, great Father's Day, that we can, that I can give you just a few practical steps just to help you in this day-to-day -day grind. Are you with me on that? Because God speaks to this. This is a broad topic. I can't cover everything, but I'm just going to hit two things that I think can help start at least the conversation, at least some thoughts, at least uh, maybe a couple small new rhythms in your life. To consider. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. We need to learn how to rest in salvation daily. Salvation is really good news, guys. You know that? I mean, think about this. Uh, being spared from the wrath of God 
um, spending eternity with him instead of hell, that's a pretty great, that's great news, right? If anybody didn't know, that is great news. But one of the things about salvation is you can't earn it. You can't work for it. That's why I think people have such a hard time with Christianity. Because like, unlike any other religion, every other religion on the planet and philosophy and ideology says you have to do in order to get. Christianity says, God says, you can't do, so I'm going to come down and do what you could not do. And it's not about you doing. It's about you receiving what he has done. That's why Christianity messes up all these other things. Because unlike every other religion, says, dude, just get on the treadmill and go in. Just maybe, maybe God will find favor with you. Right? <laughs> I don't even know what this is, a treadmill. <laughs> Silly. But I, I think for most of us that have been in church for some time, we understand that we can't earn our way to heaven. But somehow we think that even though we can't earn salvation, somehow we earn the benefits of salvation. And one of those benefits is rest. Not just rest for later in eternity, but rest now. Look what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 and 3 says, for this, good news that God, for this is good news that God has prepared this rest. This rest has been announced to us just as it was then, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. And so the writer of Hebrews is contrasting the people of Israel that wandered in the wilderness rather than entering into the promised land, the rest that God had prepared for them because of their unbelief. They looked at the giants in the land, they said they're, they're way too big. It's like us looking at our calendar saying, no way. There's just not a chance. God had given them the promised land and said, man, it's yours to go in and take. I'm going to overthrow your enemies. Just rely on my work and go in to this place of rest that I prepared for you. But because of the giants in the land, in other words, they, just, they saw great obstacles, great challenges, and they just thought, you know what? We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to all of these challenges. So their focus was still on them and their work rather than what God was going to do. And, and, and they, they missed it. They had access to rest, but they didn't experience it. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned because I, I think many of us in the, in the same way, we're still so focused on, on how do we do it rather than receiving what, God's, what, what God has already done in salvation. And one of the benefits of salvation is rest. And so here's the tough part. is many times we know or we might be saved, like we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, but then we live like we're drowning. Anybody ever experienced that? And so again, like I trust that, that, man, I can't earn my way to heaven. I put my faith in Christ. I'm walking with you. But then I live like I'm drowning. What does a drowning person do? They just kick and scream. And they're afraid. And, they're, and so that's like a worst, the worst nightmare for the Coast Guard. It's somebody that is just like, because they know the first thing they do when they get in the water, they're going to grab them and just, oh, drown. It's just, it could be a train wreck. What they'll normally say is, stop. Surrender. I can't rescue you until you stop kicking. Until you stop scraping, until you stop striving. Now, now hear me when I say this. 
I think many times we're striving for things that we think are practically, but really the deficit is spiritually. It's kind of like salvation is a great reminder to remember salvation daily that, God, my acceptance is found in you, my approval. My significance is found in you. My worth is based on what you've done for me on the cross. You communicate my value, my worth, my significance, my purpose, everything that I need, everything that I need to be shaped into the man or to the woman that you've called me to be is found in Christ. But so many times we lose sight of that and we think it's the next job that we're really pursuing, but really it's significance. It, we, 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 we burn the candle at both ends because we just so desperately need to get a little bit more to feel like we're making it, to feel like we're worth it. And so a lot of the things that we're striving for practically have already been accomplished spiritually, but we lose sight of that. And so today I just want to invite you to surrender again. Just surrender and receive what God has done for you. Salvation is a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture every day to remind us this. Everybody lean in and listen to me. That we get to rest from our work because we rest in his work. Like we get to rest. And the world is striving for all these things. But the Lord said, that's not how it should be with you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. Like, come and surrender and rest. The passage continues. And it says this, for the others, God said, my, in my anger, I take an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Why? Because it's only by faith. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. So the writer of Hebrews brings us back to Genesis chapter 1 when God is creating. And we noticed in every time God created something, he said, it's good. Like, that's just awesome, right? God's, God's like, good. So good. Like, amen in himself. That was Come on. But on the sixth day after he was done, he said, it's very good. Meaning, I'm satisfied. It's, it's finished. It's, it's complete. And what's interesting is, is it says that God modeled and, and he, 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 for us, he, he rested and just enjoyed everything that he created. And so, see, the promise still stands for you and I. The writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand that both now in Christ, though we look at ourselves, I don't know if you look at yourself this way, but I know me, is that I know that I'm a very imperfect man. And so the only way that I'm able to rest because I see all of my imperfection is to realize that when God sees me because of the cross, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, when the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus and says, satisfied. Debt paid. I'm good with this. Perfect. That's the, that's the good news of the gospel. Is, is Christ in our place when we don't deserve it? Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when you wake up every day with that reality, that because of Christ, God is pleased with us. Not based on what we do but based on what Christ has done, we get to rest in that, in that significance. And, and I, I, think it's, I think something happens then 
God begins to shape our heart when that becomes a rhythm of our life. God begins to shape our hearts in such a healthy way, and it affects what we pursue. It affects how we prioritize. It affects how we, we go after things because now we're not necessarily going after things that we don't need. We don't need them anymore. We can freely enjoy things without being slaves to them. It's huge. This is huge. But what I love is this word rest. It has this notion in, in both the Hebrew and the Greek of the wind ceasing. The wind ceasing, like harnessing the wind. I'm like, man, God, if we can get such a healthy perspective of this, and let salvation not just be a prayer that we pray, but a reality that we walk in every single day, both in the gift of salvation and the benefits of. Like, look at the beauty of that. It's like Jesus being in on the Sea of Galilee, the wind and the storm is blowing. All the disciples are freaked out because they don't know how to harness the wind. They're just spinning like, oh, no, we're going to die. We're gonna, and Jesus is taking a nap. So good. Like as hard as it is to imagine this, there is real rest in real storms. A lot of times we just fail to enter into it because it's hard to believe sometimes. But it's available. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. See, how, how, this is, how salvation is received, how do we receive this? If you're taking notes, jot this down. I'm almost done. We receive through repentance. It's not, it's not by anything we do. It's by putting our faith in Christ, turning from our way and simply laying a hold of him. And we remain through relationship. Just every single day saying, Lord, I trust you. I just thank you for my salvation. Lord, I thank you for what you've accomplished for me. I thank you that my value, my, my significance, everything that I need is found in you and in you alone. I'm going to rely on your power. I'm going to rely on your torque today because I know in and of myself it's going to get crazy. People are going to annoy me. It's, I'm going to be stressed. I'm going to be all these different things. But I'm going to let you shape me. Your words shape me in light of everything you say, not in the busyness of the wind around me. God, I want you to shape me. Daily, remember salvation. And then lastly is this, celebrate Father's Day weekly. This is great. Come on, dads. This is awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So glad one of you is excited today. Celebrate Father's Day weekly. You say, well, man, I don't like Father's Day. Well, can I tell you, get to, get to like it. Because there's, there's a heavenly father that we have. That if we take a moment, a day, every single week and acknowledge him, can change the course and the very shape of your life. See, I think the truth of the matter is, how many of you guys believe in the Ten Commandments? Yeah? I think some of us, like, we say we do, but we really don't. I, I think we believe in nine commandments and a really strong suggestion. <laughs> to Sabbath. To rest. Like, like, none of us is saying, hey, it's okay to murder and steal. But the Sabbath, it's cool, work hard. Like, it's celebrated to be overworked today. And I wonder if it's be, I wonder if, if look at, we're more overworked, but we're, and we're more connected socially, but yet we're so alone. It's like we think we're producing something, but it's not power. It's not real energy as a windmill would produce, right? It's, it, it's, it's. It's spinning very fast, but it's not producing much. And so, so some would say, well, hey, man, the devil never rests. So we just got to keep going. Well, that's why he's the devil. He's exhausted, right? 
Come on, like, it's Sunday. <laughs> Father, help, we need a lot more rest. But let, 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 me, let, me, let me break this down for you. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 9. It says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. It's the Sabbath to the Lord. It's a day where we just kind of unplug. You know, the people that were coming out of, out of Egypt, they were slaves. They didn't understand rest. And listen, I know some of you guys are looking at me like, you don't know my life. You don't know. No, I get it. I don't. But you don't know mine. And it's a fight. I, I know. But the Lord was saying, hey, this is so serious. Let me institute a law. So you wouldn't be shaped by slavery, but by freedom. Come on. Because, listen, so many of our lives, we're, we're being shaped by slavery and not by freedom. Slaves to all these things that can't deliver. Rather than freedom in a God that says, man, trust me. Trust me. Set some time aside to rest. Can I just tell you, man, you are worth the rest. Set some time aside. The beautiful thing for us, it's not law anymore. So I'm not here to heap a, a, a guilt trip on you. Say, hey, let's go. You got to keep the Sabbath. No, it's not a law for us anymore. We're under grace. But can I just tell you, the principle still stands. Let me show you. In the New Testament, Hebrews continues, four, chapter 4, verse 9, says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Like there, there's still a rest now in Christ. There's still something about the Sabbath. The Sabbath can't save you, but it can serve you. Are you with me on that? The Sabbath can't save you, but it can serve you. And, and the Sabbath was never meant to be a last resort. Like, I'm exhausted. I need a Sabbath. No, it was meant to be a first response. You know, something to, there's something about how you get your week started that matters. Like I was, when I was in Israel, we traveled with a rabbi, and the rabbi, you know, they would, they would honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath would start on Friday evening, carry on through Saturday, um, and would, when the sun sets on Saturday, the Sabbath would, would be over. But it was this time of great joy for their family. Their whole family came on the trip with us. And so I asked their kids, what's your favorite day of the week? They said, Sabbath. I said, I said why? I said, because we're, we're all together. Like everything shuts off. You know, there's this cool thing on your phone. It's called power. And you just click it and you hold it. And then now on these, on these new phones, it goes right to Siri. You can't even just click the power. You have to click two buttons now. Because they don't want it, you know, they don't want it to shut off. And then you got to slide something, make it very hard to power off your phone, Right? And then isn't it funny, the, the picture of the apple with a bite taken out of it. It's like we went right back to the garden. What in the world? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Shout out to Google. So there remains, you guys are like, what? I stole that from somebody. I'm not that smart. I heard one of my pastor friends say that. Uh, but it's so true. Like when you really think about it. And think about this. Adam and Eve, 
Oh, let, let, me, let me go back to the Sabbath. So there is the, the, the rabbi, the, they just love it. And this is what they say. They said on the Sabbath day, what they would do is they would give their kids a spoonful of honey every morning just to remember the sweetness of the Sabbath. He says, I lay hands on my wife and declare Proverbs 31 over her every Sabbath. I lay my hands on my kids and I bless them. Now they do it as law. He said, man, one time we came, the TV was blasting and we can't touch power. Like, what did you do? He said, we slept with the TV on, blasting all night. I'm like, dude. Because for them it's law. But in Christ, there's grace. And so, so but, but, the, but the principle still stands. There, it's the most refreshing day of the week. Adam, Adam and Eve, guess what? They were created on the sixth day. Guess what their first day was? Rest. They started their week from a place of rest. Are you tracking with me on that? And so, so what am I saying? Am I saying you have to take a Sabbath? No, I'm saying, I know some of you guys don't have a full day. Like, I totally get that. I, I, and I, I empathize. Like, I get it. I totally get it. That's, I'm not putting any false trip on you. But I'm saying, could we create some Sabbath rhythms in our life that would cause us to stop and remember that he's God and we're not? I find that in the days... This week is a perfect example. Friday is the day that I unplug. It's Friday Family Fun Day. It was Making Memories Monday, but when school's out, it's Friday Family Fun Day. I unplug, and I'm just with the family. With the family. It's not, it's not law. I enjoy that. It's a gift to us. And we have so much fun. We have, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a blast. We do a lot of different things. And, but it's, it's, it's a moment where I realize I got so much to do. But God's like, will you trust me? Like, I didn't get as much done as I wanted to get done this week. Will you trust me? Will you trust me that I'm able to do something while you're resting, I'm still working. And I'm able to produce more when you're resting because I'm, I can do it a whole lot better than you can. Will you trust me and depend on me? That's what it's about. And that just kind of brings me ease. Like, it's on you, God. It's not irresponsible. I used to think it was. I used to think it was selfish. But I realize it's selfish not to. Because God still loves me. God still cares about my soul. How special is that? Not just called me to care about everybody else's. But God cares about my soul. It's just a special reminder that God loves us on that day. As we look at creation and beauty, just like, like when's the last time you looked up at the sky and just thought, man, we're, in a, we're spinning in orbit right now. From a God that, you know, our world wastes septillions of tons, spins on a perfect axis, yet nothing holds it up. We're just as far away from the sun so we don't freeze to death, just as close so we don't, just as far enough away so we don't freeze or burn. I mean, when's the last time you just marveled at that? That's what the Sabbath is for. That's what this, this time of rest. Uh, one, one, there was two lumberjacks, and, and, and I'm almost done, there was two lumberjacks, and, and they were chopping wood, and one's like, I'm going to beat you, I'm just going to get, and one would just take a break. And then he'd come back, it's a nice rhythm. The other guy's just like, ah, ah, ah. and the guy who rested got it done first. Guy's like, how did you do that? He's like, man, well, I was resting. You didn't see me, but I was sharpening my axe. And that's what, that's what happens. And when we take time to be with God, he shapes us, he sharpens us. We come back more effective, come back ready. Are you with me on that? And so, so let me just give you some practical ways. You don't have to... You don't have to in institute these. This is not law. Let me just give you some practical ways that you can do what you can do on Sabbath. This is from a Jewish person, actually. Um, and, and again, it's not law. I'm just saying, hey, here's, here's a perspective. 
Uh, they don't work for wages, many, on the Sabbath. They don't compete for rewards. You know, so, let me just say this. Some people think that Sabbath is just like a Jewish thing, but when God created the heavens and the earth, there was no such thing. It's just God rested on the seventh day. The principle still stands. It has nothing to do with nationality or anything like that. So sometimes I think we get that a little bit confused. It's, it's, it's something not to save us, but to serve us. And so don't compete for rewards. Make time to relax and do nothing. Like when's the, when can you just schedule? Maybe if, it, if, if it's even only 10 minutes. I'm just not, not going to do anything. I'm just going to like put the phone down and just be with God. Just be present with God. Something that's going to be so weird for some of you. Like you'll sit there like, FOMO. Missing out. Reading, studying the scriptures. When's the last time you just didn't get through a devotional, but you just sat and meditated on God's word? What about playing with family and friends? Like our Friday Family Fun Day, we have great days. I get to look at my kids and be reminded of what's important. It's so, it's, 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 it's sacred for us. And if you don't have any friends, listen, we're so grateful that you're here because we want to be your friend. And so like, man, small groups are a great way to jump in and make some friends. And so, so there, there's a few more. Uh, take a walk outside and enjoy creation. Enjoy a meal with family and friends. One of the things they do on the Sabbath big, we got to celebrate it with them in Israel. And we, it was just, we just ate. And it was just good. And we just talked and ate and talked. It was like a two-hour experience. Like, that was the longest dinner I've ever had in my life. It was amazing. And praying and meditating and worshiping God. Psalm 92 was a great way just to open it up. And, it just says, God, you are high and lifted up. It reminds me that you're up and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. It's a great song. And it's Psalm, and it just says how, how God plants us like, like the cedar, like the palm tree. There's, he plants us in the house of God. There's refreshment. There's stability. There's strength. And, and what about intimacy with spouse? Come on, everybody said amen. <laughs> One of the guys on the... One of the guys just had to ask this, right? We're on the trip. He said, so uh, what about intimacy? <laughs> the rabbi said, oh, yeah, that's, that's included in the Sabbath. Um, and if you're a single parent, you're probably going to have to get creative. You know, organize some time. We can find somebody to, to even watch your little kiddos so you can just be. Create some space, some rhythms. You may only be able to take a lunch break or a break. And you can, it, it's not just about a day. It's about creating rhythms every day where we're acknowledging God. And listen, some of you guys today, you're like, man, my job is so demanding, my life is so crazy. Jesus did not com condemn his disciples for that. He didn't. It's not about condemnation, it's about an invitation. They were casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the sick. And this is what he told them when they came back. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It's an invitation. He didn't say, what are you guys doing? You need a rest. He said, no, no, come with me. It's an invite to come and get away with someone, not get away from something. So how does this work? How does this play out practically? Taking notes, jot this down. Rest comes by just deciding. I've never seen anybody fall into a Sabbath. Whoa! Just took a Sabbath today. It's amazing. So much rest. No, it's hard. You gotta decide. And I'm gonna tell you what, it's not always gonna feel fruitful. Especially if, if you're an addict to working and spinning, it's going to feel like you're detoxing. Even if it's just for five minutes, you will not fall into a Sabbath. 
you have to decide to create rhythms for rest. And so the decision stands before us, and I bring us to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. I know that rest today is not a modern day uh, phenomenon. But it's starting to have to become one because people are frying. We're losing pastors like crazy. Burning out. Moral failure. Because they're just grinding. And they all say the same thing. They said, just take rest. They didn't take time with God. So blades start flying off. So there's going to come a point, ladies and gentlemen, when people are not going to be able to avoid it. Because it's going to be epidemic. It's already happening in a lot of different ways. But the Lord said, but you said we won't walk in it. It's a decision. A decision has to be made. So what am I saying today? I'm not here to heap condemnation. I'm here to give you an invitation. Not to get away from something, but to get away with someone. Even if it's for a couple of minutes starting a day. And I promise you, you will not come back to me and say, that was a waste of time. You'll come back and say, I should have did this a long time ago. It's an invitation to rest.